Welcome to the weekly podcast from Foursquare Gospel Church Abako, a vibrant growing church in Lagos, Nigeria. inviting you and welcoming you to church. Alright? Um, we've been here a couple of times, you know, working alongside Pastor David Johnson, some of our programs, uh, uh, Pure Fire and all of that. And so we are privileged really, uh, to be here today. But I come to you today with a very huge sense of responsibility. I come to you today with a lot to say. Now, I feel at home. Now, when Raleke told me about this, I'm going out to call it. I've been thinking to myself, am I going to see familiar faces? Am I going to a totally strange <laughs> environment? But it's so, so pleasing, you know, to see some known faces in the house. They are all welcome. Amen? Alright. I really, 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 really was surprised. Pleasantly so. When I was told that the theme of this program is diligence. And the reason for that is because diligence is not exactly the kind of topic you choose for young people. It's not sensational. You know? It is not something that is exactly social media friendly. So for young people to choose diligence as a topic, then it means that what we see today is a little bit deeper than sensationalism. Is that right? Talk to me now. Is that correct? Let me start from where daddy, you know, stopped. Daddy spoke about the fact that a lot of us are not exactly happy. We are not contented. Why? We are always worried about the things that we lack. And so daddy says, you know, count your blessings and name them one by one. Shall I say, the Lord said to me that the reason most of us are worried are because we have put ourselves in a place that he never placed us in the first place. The reason you are going through what you are going through and it's causing you so much pain, so much worry, for the most part, is because you are where God never placed you. Don't put your child in a school where you will need prayer points to be able to pay the fees. It's not of God. Don't buy a suit you will have to pay back the loan. It's not right. Can you imagine renting a house and every year you are, pay, you are praying to pay the rent? Why won't you worry? Why won't you be worried? So most of us are worried because we have placed ourselves where God never wanted us to be in the first place. It's time to wake up. I want to go straight into the topic of today. And really, really, let me quickly say, as we get into this, let me quickly say, Jesus was at the pool of Bethsaida. And you know the story. There was a man that has been there for how many years? 38 solid years. Check this out. And Jesus himself, the healer, Jesus himself, the power of Jesus himself, showed up. 
Bible says there lay a great multitude of invalids, sick people, and Jesus was looking for that man. Watch this. Jesus will come in their midst. I know there were crowds. You will say, excuse me, make way. And they will be moving away for Jesus to pass. Why? He was looking for someone. Now, Jesus, who is the power, Jesus, who is the healer, was walking among them and they were excusing themselves. Why? They were waiting for the sensational. Whereas the supernatural had come. Hey, be careful of sensationalism. You know, most of us, we believe that God is in a service. Only when we are shot. Ooh, ah, and then somebody's falling and somebody's standing. No, no, no. It's sensationalism. Right? We came for something a little bit deeper today. What is diligence? And why is diligence so important in your race to destiny? Diligence in one word means hard work. And hey, I know that for the most part, young people, we like to play with knowledge a lot. So if you want to do question and answer, people will come and ask you, excuse me, sir, what is the difference between diligence and discipline? What is now the difference between discipline and perseverance? Then when you explain, they will say, what about long uh-uh, uh-uh. We are not here to celebrate knowledge, okay? Diligence simply means hard work. What did I say? Come on, talk to me now. Diligence means hard work. And today we are really, honestly, I want to feel at home today, okay? So please, just allow me. What is diligence? And why is diligence so important? It's important you know that greatness is not for the idol. Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says, you don't take that which is precious to you and cast them to dogs. You don't feed your peers to swines. The Bible says they will trample upon it. And what will they do? They will come back and rend you. So, nobody will give greatness to an idol man. Nobody will entrust that which is important to the one who is lazy. So, on your path to greatness, on your path to excellence, on your path to living a life of fulfillment, diligence is not negotiable. And this is extremely important because this is the topic we talk about in corporate circles, in, in, in business angles, in business circles. So it's important that we share the root of it, the seed of it in the church. Diligence is investing your abilities, your capacities, all that you are in the pursuit of your vision. I take that again. Diligence is when you invest your energy, your ability, your capacity, your skills, your time, everything into the pursuit of your destiny. That's diligence. So, if you are not investing yourself, before we get into the body of the message, if you are not investing your time, your energy, your capacity, your resources, in the pursuit of your vision, in the pursuit of God's plan for you, you are not diligent. 
diligence is investing all that you have in the pursuit of God's mission for you. And this is extremely, extremely important. Now, why is diligence so important? Why should we talk about diligence in the church? Number one, diligence is your ticket out of poverty. What did I say, everybody? Come on, talk to me now. What did I say? Diligence is the ticket out of poverty. Hmm. Diligence is your way out of penury. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 11. Proverbs 12 verse 11. The Bible says that he that till with his hand will be what? Satisfied. He will be satisfied with bread. For he that follows after vain persons is void of understanding. Proverbs 12 11. So to be satisfied with bread which is ticket out. Now what is poverty when you are not able to afford basic needs? So, the Bible says, to be satisfied with bread, to be able to have something to eat, diligence is the way. He that dealeth with his hand shall be satisfied with bread. And this is extremely important. You know why, people? We live in a country where begging is a profession. As a nation, the begging bowl has become a crucible for destruction. We produce what we don't consume. We consume what we don't produce. No, no economy can ever attain greatness that way. And so today, the government is taking a loan from this, taking a loan from that. The Paris Club is in... Come on! And as a people, we also, whether we know it or not, have embraced begging. As, can you imagine? How many of you here have rich uncles? And you know what I'm talking about. Now, for those of you who have some money in your hands, you would realize that you have people who just believe you owe them money. Hello? I'm sure our daddies and mommies can attest. You just have to... They believe that you owe them. Why? You have money, so you must give me. If mommy does not give me, daddy does not, If uncle, they are stingy. They are wicked. They are bad. Why? You have a sense of entitlement. No, sir. Begging can never get you out of poverty. Let me, let me ask you this question real quick. If somebody comes to beg you money, right? And you have all the money in the world. Be honest. Will you give that person $10 million? Lie, lie. That is a lie. <laughs> hey, the highest you will give out of the goodness of your heart, 1,000 euros. Out of the graciousness of your spirit, the generosity of your soul. Why? The Bible says if you must be satisfied with bread, diligence is the way. So, your ticket out of poverty, people of God, is diligence. And honestly, there's a lot to say today. Your ticket out of penury is diligence, it's hard work. The church does not work hard. We pray. Hello? We pray. Uh-huh. We
to service. We do all of the amazing things, but in a way that is abusive to the tenets of the faith. The Bible says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll do what? Show you my own faith by my works. Diligence is your ticket out of poverty. And when I talk about poverty, I am not just talking about poverty of money. Hey, poverty of bad results. Diligence, working hard at your books is your way out of bad results. Your business is not moving. Are you diligent enough to that business? Now I am convinced that frankly speaking, anybody can be a millionaire doing anything. You can sell pure water and become a millionaire at it. At least I know. You can do ice cream and be a billionaire at it. But the difference between A and B is how diligent are you in this business? Diligence does not just bring you out of poverty, people of God. Diligence procures riches. Now, it's one thing to be out of poverty, number one. It's another thing to become rich. Is that correct? Diligence is your pathway to riches. Diligence is your pathway to honor. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. He becomes poor. <laughs> Who works with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He becomes poor. Who works with a slack hand. Even if he was not poor before, the Bible said he would become poor. Are you aware that in Nigeria, our daddies and mommies can attest, there was a time when the dollar to the naira was the same. Daddy and mommy, aha. But guess what? The Bible says he becomes poor. Who works with a slack hand? No matter how big the business is, no matter how great your destiny is, if you invest slackness, you are not diligent. The Bible says the end is poverty. He becomes poor. Who works with a slack hand? But the hand of the diligent woman, the hand of the diligent man, the Bible says, makes rich. So, diligence is your way out of poverty. But it doesn't stop there. Diligence is your way into riches. Your way into riches. Number three. Why is diligence so important? Why must you embrace the pathway of diligence as a lifelong pursuit? Why? Diligence does not just get you out of poverty. Diligence does not just bring you into riches. There's a higher level. Diligence is your pathway to wealth. Another level. Another level. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you were blessed by the exposition of the word of God. 
Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. For more messages, follow us on our social media platforms at FoursquareJeb. God bless you. One, poverty is, is delivered. I can, I can eat three square meal a day. <laughs> I can pay my house rent. Eh? I can travel on the road successfully. That's okay. There are riches. Oh, now I can travel abroad, sir. I have some extra money. Riches. But the Bible says that it doesn't stop at riches. Diligence is your pathway to wealth. Where you have more than enough. Where everyone who is around you, you become a blessing to them. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 27, real quick. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 27. He says, whoever is slothful will not roast his game. But the diligent man will get precious wealth. Now, I like this passage. You know why? He says the slothful man will not roast his game. Hello, people of God. I thought that the Bible should have said, now in my own human thinking, the Bible should have said that the slothful man will not go to the game or will not go to the farm to catch a game. We will not go into the jungle to hunt. Uh-uh, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that this man has woken up, gotten dressed, picked his gun, picked his tools, went into the field, then caught a game. You know what they call a game? Like, you know, a hunter who goes to hunt for things, right? An animal. That's what you call a game. That's what the Bible says. I would have thought that the Bible will say that this man, because of his laziness, did not stand up from his bed. That's what I would have said. Or that's what I would have thought. That that's laziness. I mean, when you see somebody who is putting on his pajamas at 11 o'clock, you will clearly say he's a lazy man. But the Bible says that this man has gone into the field. He has gotten the game. He has brought this game home. But because he will not finish the process, because he will not finish in business terms, he will not complete the process, the value chain process. Because he will miss out one. The Bible calls him a lazy man. So, all of you who says, hey, Shadi, I have tried. Uh-uh. Did daddy not see me when I stood up? Have I not read three chapters? What's the whole? I've read now. They ask you to do three questions in exam. You do two and a half. I've tried. And you know the interesting thing? When you are saying you have tried, there are people who will agree with you that you have tried. Is that correct? They said go 10 miles. You go 9.2. Somebody, you cannot kill yourself, Jare. Don't kill yourself. It's one life. Don't kill yourself. You've heard that before, right? And you've said it before too, right? Ah. <laughs> the slothful man will not trust his game. Even though he has gotten it from the field. He has bought the books, but he will not read it. He comes to church, he hears it, but he will not apply it. Hey! The Bible says, by me, Prince Israel, King Ruth, and Prince's decree justice, talking about wisdom. 
Now, what is wisdom? Jesus said, anyone who hears my word and applies it, the same is a wise man. So, wisdom is applied truth. Wisdom is what? Applied truth. And Jesus said, if you, don't, if you hear and you don't apply, it's as good as not hearing at all. And also the Bible says here, yeah, you can get all the game all you want. You don't roast it. You don't eat it. You don't tie yourself with the truth that you have heard. You are smoking. So wisdom and diligence is your ticket out of poverty. Diligence is your ticket into riches. Diligence is your ticket into wealth. The richest in the land should be Christians, people. The wealthiest in the land should be people who are actively committed to God's purpose. But assistance, we are not. Can you imagine? There are people who don't believe in our faith. Just by applying some principles, they hit you. Can you imagine adding prayers to our own? Why is diligence so important? Diligence will get you out of poverty and it's important I keep repeating this. It will get you into riches. It will get, it, get you into wealth. But it doesn't stop there. There's a higher level to wealth. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 29 which is our theme for this conference. Proverbs 22 verse 29. It says, Seest thou a man who is diligent and skillful in his business, what will happen to him? Come on now, talk to me. What will happen? So, diligence is your invitation to the seat of power. Now, that's more than wealth. You can be wealthy and not powerful. I hope you know that. But, most likely, you can't be powerful and not be wealthy. Most likely. So, diligence takes you beyond materialism, which is poverty, which is wealth. Diligence brings you to the place of power. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Why is diligence so important? Diligence confers the mantle of dominion. See, there is a higher level to Proverbs 22 verse 29. There is a higher level to it. The Bible says if a man is diligent in his business, he will not stand before, the Amplified Bible says he will not stand before obscure men. People who are in the back seat, he will stand, he will stand before kings. What is a higher level? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. He says, the hand of the diligent man will rule. That's a higher level. 
It's one thing to be standing before kings. It's another thing to be the king. I don't just want to stand before great men. I don't want to stand before just kings. I want to become the king. I don't know about you. Diligence does not just bring you to the seat of power. Diligence confers authority on you. So the question is, how do I become diligent? How do I become diligent? The culture of hard work must become an ingrained culture in your life from today. This is extremely important. And as much as I want to speak to young people, you know, but I know that our daddies and mommies too can get a thing or two from this. Listen. It is not too late to be right. Did you hear what I said? It is not too late to be what? It is not too late to be what? It is not too late to be what? It is not too late to be right. You could have gone on the wrong way for so long. And then a message comes to you and you know that from today and I just must admit. It is not too late to be right. And as long as you are worshipping and serving this one true God, it's never too late for you. I said it's never too late for you. I said it's never too late for you. How do I become diligent? How do I become a hard worker? Jesus said, my father walketh, he that do I walk. Ah, I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is there. Why? The night is coming. When no man. If you are not walking, you are not walking with God. Can I say that again? If you are not a walker, then you are not walking with God. I know people, I mean, this is why we must address this in the church. There are people who believe so much in prayer and it's amazing, it's fantastic. We believe so much, you know, coming to church, God's work, amazing. Not negotiable. But while you are doing all that, you must do the works of him that sent you while you did. If you are not a worker, you are not working with God. Irrespective of what you think you are doing. It takes a hard worker, a committed worker, to take his delivery of God's portion for his life. Hey, all the men and women that you envy, do you want to understand how their life is structured? Do you want to see it? Oh, I want to be like Dangote. I want to be like Otedola. Hey, if you see the life, that Dangote is living. Maybe you will think twice. That, ah, Jesus said, the cup that I drink, can you drink also? How do I become diligent? Number one, vision. 
Number one, vision. Number one, vision. Vision is the unfolding of God's plan for your life. Vision is the picture of what God had in mind when he created you. Vision is your purpose, your life's purpose, your life's work. The reason you were made, vision. Vision is the problem you are created to solve. Why is vision so important to impact diligence on a man? Why? I like the way some translations say this. Please put up Proverbs 29:18 real quick. Proverbs 29:18. Let's have different translations. He says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Please try another translation, real quick. Thank you, that's it. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraints. Can I tell you what the Lord said to me? I lost my biological dad 2007. 2007. And my dad, my biological dad, was a tough man. As a teenager, ah, you know, he held with iron hand. So, when he passed, as a young person, naturally, what comes to your mind is that now I'm free. Right? There's no daddy that will be calling you, hey, Peter, Peter, where are you? As young as I was, I heard the Lord speak to me. You know what he said to me? He says the highest form of captivity is liberty unchecked. As young as I was, I heard it so clear that freedom unfettered is, no, no, freedom unchecked is bondage unfettered. God told me that. That the highest form of captivity is liberty unchecked. Think of it in the natural. The child that you love is the person you will correct. When you are tired of someone, what do you do? You leave them. Have you? Now, when you leave them, have they become free? <laughs> the Bible says, without vision, the people drop restraints. You know what that means? I can eat anything I want, go anywhere I want, wake, uh, sleep anytime I want, wake up anytime I want, anything I want. Why? Without vision. Without vision, the people cast off restraints. <laughs> it is a cause for a child of God to be wearing pajamas at 10 a.m. It is a taboo. When you are supposed to be walking, you are busy wearing Shimi, Adam, is a taboo. Can you imagine that you are living such a careless life? Then you come to church. Hey, 
Pay your tithes and everything will be well. Hello, sir. It doesn't work that way. Because while you are sleeping, the men and women of this world are busy laboring. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me. The Lord called me one day and said, son, listen, I have a plan for my church. No, I have a plan for my, my planet, my world. One, I have a plan for my church. Two, and then I have a plan for each of my individual children. The Lord said that to me. Then you know what he added? He said to me that if any of my child refuses to work in my council, in my purpose, I will look for those who are not my child to bring about my plan for my planet. Did you hear that? No, I don't think you heard it. Let me explain. How many of you know that technology is of God? You know. You know there was a time when we were believing that technology, ah, CCC is nine. <laughs> technology is of God. Technology is God's plan for his planet. Are you following? Technology is God's plan for the earth. It's God's plan. And the Lord said to me, if my children don't work in my council, I will bypass them to make my plan for the planet happen. Now, what that means is that originally, God would have wanted to use you and I to develop technology. Originally. Hello? Originally, the owner of Facebook should be a Christian. Originally, the owner of Netflix, of Uber, should be a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled, spiritual-driven Christian. Originally. Originally, the biggest architect in the world should be a Christian. Originally. Originally, the, the, the best surgeon in the world should be a Christian. Hello, sir. Fashion is of God. But because some of you have re refused to rise up, there are other people. And when they come, they come with what their father gives them. You know who their father is, right? Without vision, they throw up the streets. They need any help. Hey, they still pray. <laughs> they still sing. Hello? They still come to church. They are still workers in the church. But they've casted off. They've thrown away restraints. How many of you have heard this hyper grace? I don't know if this is the time to start that discussion. Have you heard it? You can do anything you want. <laughs> anything. Shall be they say, Jesus has died once. He has died for us. I mean, they used to say that thing. You think that the blood of Jesus was shed on Calvary to give you license to sin, to live anyhow? You better think again. Without vision, the people perish. Without vision, destinies die. Without vision, destinies rotten. Without vision, people that God have created to be great amount of nothing without vision. Hey, revelation is at the mercy of vision. I'll take that again. Revelation is at the mercy of exposure. Let me explain that. If God is calling you 
to build the biggest hospital in the world. That's what God has intended. One of the things he has intended for you to do. And then you decide not to walk in that vision. You decide to just live carelessly, carelessly, carelessly. And somehow, 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 you became a doctor. Do you really think that you build the, big, the build, uh, biggest hospital? You probably build, build a two-story, three-story. And in your small corner, you'll be a hero. The greatest enemy of great is good, not bad. You hear what I said? The greatest enemy of great is what? Is good. <laughs> because you are good. You are rich. You are doing well. Your little circle is telling you, hey, chama, chama, babao, babao. And then you are all comfortable now at the expense of destiny. Think about Jesus himself. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Our Lord God himself. Come on now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. What did the Bible say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Why? Who for the joy? Come on. Who for the joy that was what? What happened? He endured. <laughs> Jesus, by the reason of vision, became diligent. Jesus, by the, by the weight of what he was carrying, of what he saw in his mind, he will endure the pain. What do you see? Have you become so battered by life's realities that you have lost the vision, the purity of your soul? Have you lost it? What do you see? And if you are not careful, Nigeria can take it out of you too. <laughs> if you are not careful, if you are not careful, the complaints of people around you can take away your vision. Today, the news tells you one billion is missing in treasury. And then tomorrow, your neighbor says, well, this country, this country, my, my, my cruise, I'm leaving. And then all of that is taken away from you. Irrespective of where you find yourself in this world, vision is your ticket to diligence. Without vision, you will live a careless life. It takes a burning vision. It takes something that inflames your soul to wake you up in the morning and set you on the right path. Hey! If you don't have a vision for your business, you will treat it anyhow. Abi? If you don't have a vision for your studies, you won't even go to class. It's not necessary. But if there is a vision, and you know from my day one in school, I'm leaving this school with the first class. There's a vision. Nobody will teach you to read. Uh-uh. Nobody will tell you to attend. Uh-uh. They won't. Why? There's a vision. Christians live careless life. Just, just, just going just all over the place. Why? Wake up. I have a good news for somebody here today. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2, the prophecy, it says, on the last day, what will I do? I'll put my spirit upon all flesh. And what did he say? Your young men shall see what? Vision. Come on now. Your young men shall do what? Oh, talk back to me, church. Your young men shall do what? They will see vision. But hey, hey, watch this. Abraham, no, Abraham, at the age of 75, saw a vision. 
because the Lord said to him, Abraham, Abraham, after Saul had departed, Genesis chapter 13, verse 6. He says, Now look to the east, to the west, ever as far as your eyes can see. I'll make it happen for At 75, at 75. And then the Bible says, Your young men shall see vision. Watch this. At 75, put the two together. At 75, he saw a vision. And then actually, the people that are qualified to see vision are young men. So, Abraham at 75 was regarded a young man. Hey, vision renews your strength. No wonder at 100, after Isaac, he kept giving birth. You remember? If you are running with a vision, you never grow old. Daddies and mommies, please take note. If you are running with a vision, you don't become old. You are old to the extent that you have abandoned your vision. A young man can become old. He's 20 years old, but he's an old man. How many of you have seen the documentary of an eagle? The story of the eagle. You've seen it. Story of the eagle. Thank you. You remember the story. After he gets to a particular age, he's about to die. He goes to the top of a mountain and plucks everything out. Vision. Vision. At 20, you can be an old man. And at 80, you can still be a young man. Why? Vision. Anyone that is operating by the power of a vision never grows old. They that be planted in the courts of our God, no, they that be planted in the house of our God shall flourish in the courts of our God. At old age, they shall be fat and flourish. Your number one ticket to diligence, people of God, is vision. Let's talk about it in the natural. You can't run a successful company without a vision statement. That little shop. Have you ever thought about it before, people of God? Dominos. What is special about pizza? What is? It's flour and cheese. It's just flour. And you can do it at home. Pizza. I hope you know. But that little flour and cheese has gone all over the world today. You know why? Vision. 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 What is McDonald's selling now? Is what what is what, what do they call that? Chips, Abby. Chips and chicken. <laughs> you can buy yam and cut it tiny, tiny, tiny. You two, you have gotten your chips. And then you fry chicken. You have gotten your chicken, Abby. But today, McDonald's is in all the most of the countries of the earth. Why? Vision. Vision makes small great. Vision sees the impossible imposs- the out of every impossible. Vision sees the future in the present. This is so important, people. Without vision, diligence is a joke. 
Okay, so we said diligence is being serious. It's being hard work. So, without vision, what will we, what will we be hard working on? What? What will we be serious with? Without vision. So, vision is the baseline. It's the foundation. It's the building block of diligence. What is the vision for your life? Are they still pure? Are they still fresh? Is that vision still a place? Is it still a flame? Is that vision still, does it still mean something to you? To you? Does it still mean something? It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Oh. There's a lot to say with vision. How do I become diligent? Number two. The power of planning. Number one is the power of vision. Number two is the power of planning. The power of planning. What is planning? Simply put, thinking ahead. That's what planning is. Thinking ahead. How do I become diligent? Thinking ahead. The power of planning. Child of God, it is a taboo to wake, to wake up from your bed, to leave the house, and to go wherever the wind leads you. It's a taboo. You must keep a journal. You must have a schedule. There must be something. There must be a check. Without vision, they cast off. There must be something that checks you. There must be something that you say, this day, I must accomplish. That's what you call diligence. Oh, today, I run a pure water company. I run a, I don't know, we sell drinks. So, today, I know that people have not been coming to this shop to buy. I don't have enough money to pay my child's school fee. I don't have enough money to pay my rent. That's okay. But I have a business. I have a business. So, how do I begin to plan for more people to come and buy from me? I'm a, I'm a transport worker. A Dalford driver. One of my favorite TV shows is Dragon's Den. How many of you know Dragon's Den? Oh, please, I recommend it. Particularly for the entrepreneurs. Dragon's Den. Please watch it. On YouTube, just go on YouTube. Type Dragon's Den. Amen. Just watch. A young man by the name Levi Ruth. Well, that's not his real name. It's like his stage name. He said, Jamaica, you know those Jamaican and Astaferia. He came into the den to pitch his idea. Ah, with all the dreadlocks, everything. Wow. And he does ketchup, ketchup, sauce, ketchup, something like that. So tell us about this idea. Ah, this is it. This is it. This is what I plan on doing. He doesn't have any money in his account. He doesn't look the part. He's not so handsome. He was, everything was wrong. As a matter of fact, I watched an interview he gave after. He said on the morning of that presentation, he came with his guitar. Guitar broke. First one. They ran fast strings. That one broke again. He said, this must be a sign that this thing is not for me. But he called his children. He said, no, daddy, stay there, stay there. Die there, diligent. Ah. Wow. Okay. So, by the time he entered the den, a guitar that uses seven strings had only five. That was the only one they could copy. 
brum, 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 brum. He presented. The dragons finished his idea. I'm out. This thing cannot succeed. I'm out. This thing cannot succeed. I'm out. This thing. But one of them said, mm, maybe we can take a fight. Maybe. Can I shock you? That man didn't just become rich. He became an investor on Dragon's Den. <laughs> Check it out. I sell ketchup. Do you have plans on how to get more people to buy from you? Do you have investment plans? Or you just want to be selling in one shop? You know? So that I can have uh, money to feed my child and buy clothes and buy... Is that all there is to your destiny, people of God? Is that all there is? Luke chapter 12, verse 49 to 50. Luke chapter 12, verse 49 to 50. Jesus said, there is a baptism. Please put it up. There is a baptism. I must be baptized in it. Oh, I am stretched. Oh, I am straightened till it happens. I came to send forth fire on the earth. And how I wish it already came to Verse 50. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how distressed. Another translation says, how stretched, how straightened I am till it is accomplished. How stretched are you till your vision is accomplished? Do you wake up anytime? You sleep anytime? Oh, I cannot come and kill myself. No, there's a way they say, I cannot come and go and kill myself. Okay. Don't come and go. Then come and come and stay here. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 16. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 16. The Bible says, A wise man thinks ahead, plans ahead, but a fool has no plan, and he brags by it. <laughs> he doesn't have a plan, no, and he's still boasting about it. Can you imagine the depth of that emptiness? Proverbs 13, 16. Proverbs 13, 16. How do I become diligent? Remember, number one is by vision. I can, we can go on and on and on. This is extremely important. This is extremely crucial. Without vision, you are going nowhere. Without vision, you just go in circles, in circles, in circles. You don't know when you are making progress. You don't know. Why? There's nothing to measure it by. If I say that my vision is to have, excuse me, a thousand customers by the end of mid-year, right? That's my goal. That's my vision. By mid-year, if I have 800, maybe there is something I can measure it by. I say I'm 20% away, right? I'm 80% close to my goals. But without vision, who will you measure it by? You don't know. You don't. I was speaking to a dear friend. She's, she was devastated, you know. Confused, just you know, throwing the quit, I quit her, and all of that. And then I said to her, Have you considered raising investment? She said, Is it not businesses that are doing well that will raise investment? I said, Right there, that's not true. And I'm glad I said it. I think somebody needs to hear that word. It's not true. 
If you have all the money, why do you need investment? And investors know that. Daddy, have you? If you have all the money, why do you want to speak to an investor? It is because you are not making enough money that you want to speak to an investor in the first place. So, if your business is not doing well, the lies of Satan is to make you think that because it's not doing well, nobody will take interest. It is because it's not doing well that investors want to hear about it. And to see the opportunities they have in it. So, you have a hairdressing saloon. Or, I mean, we can go on and on. You know your business. You know your work. Is there a business plan? The power of planning. Are there plans? It's called a business plan. That shows us that if I give you Let's say $200,000 or $100,000. Leave that. If I give you 10 million naira, do you have a plan that will grow this 10 million to become 100 million? Can we see it? No, 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 no. I know you don't have it in your account. I know, I know. But do you have a plan? The power of plan. You cannot raise your children successfully without planning. your child anyhow. You don't have a definite plan who you want them to become. No, it doesn't work that way. How do I become diligent? Please, quickly, let's just say a word of prayer. Just say, Holy Ghost, inoculate my heart. Touch my heart. Somebody just say a word of prayer somewhere, where you are. Lord, let there be a rekindling. Let there be a rearrangement. Let there be a reprogramming. I cannot continue the same way I have been going at. Those who are serious are praying, actually. Remember, we didn't come for sensationalism. So it's not about the scream. No, 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 no. It's not about the shout. It's not about sensation. Holy Ghost, touch my heart. Every debris, every cobweb, everything that has become dead, let there be a reawakening. There was a time when your vision used to be strong. There was a time when your passion used to be on fire. There was a time when your heart used to be on fire. Holy Ghost! In Jesus' name, we are prayed. From today, your life will go on a new direction. Mm-mm. I don't think you believe it. From today, there will be a resurrection of goodness. All the things that you have lost to sin, to Satan, to the realities of life, to lack, to pain, everything that you have lost, the Lord will revisit you again. How do I become diligent? Number three, the force of responsibility. The force of responsibility. Remember the force of vision? Number two, the force of planning. 
Number three, the force of personal responsibility. Let me show you something scary in the Bible. I'm wrapping up very, very soon. I'm wrapping up very, very soon. Let me show you something scary in the Bible. Please, uh, brothers, help me go to Genesis 15. Genesis 15, real quick. Genesis 15, verse 30. Go. Something scary, actually. Come on now. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. Chapter 15. The power of personal responsibility. That's okay. While they try to, you know, help us put that up. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7, it's a story we all know. You remember the story of the four lepers? You remember them? Aha. You remember what they said to themselves? What did they say? Who can remind us? Why is they here? <laughs> the power of personal responsibility. Listen, people. Greatness is only entrusted to those who have embraced the power of personal responsibility. Until you wake up to the realities of your personal responsibility, there are heights you will never get to this one. It's not the cause. Do you want it? How bad do you need it? Are you just a talker or a doer? Do you just want to share knowledge? You know, there are people in the body of Christ. I was, I, I was having a discussion with some people. We were driving on Friday. So I saw a book just by because you were going to like it. So I saw a book. Those guys are selling in traffic. I called the gentleman. Come. I like the whole title of the book. Stillness is the way or stillness is the key. Something like that. And they said, you know what you sell this book? So I packed, you know, and we talked about it. So, on our way, we began to talk that these guys who sell in traffic, are they reading the book that they sell? And then some said they read it. I mean, oh, okay, thank you. So we began talking about it. These people, are they reading it? So some of the car said, they read it, they read it. Some of the people said, they don't read it, they don't read it. But here is my take. If you know the transformation in books, if you know the transformation that books carry, there is nobody who truly reads for the purpose of transformation who will end up selling the traffic. Nobody. Now, hey, it is possible that they are reading and they are the face where they just need to quickly you know, get some money in. And so while they are reading, they still come out to make some money. That's okay. It's a face. But if they keep reading, it is impossible. Except if they are reading just to be intellectuals. You know, there are people like that. It's just to come and discuss, to display knowledge. I know past you. How bad do you want it? Do you just want to talk about it? Growing up in the body of Christ. I had friends. Friends! And we all talked big. And you would have assumed that all of us talking big meant it. It wasn't true. It wasn't true. Ah. We were all in church. 
attending programs, doing programs, talking big. Some of them, you run into them and you can't have a discussion with them. What happened? Oh, you don't know something happened to me. This one happened to me. Oh, you seriously think the ones that are also making it, something is not happening to them? How bad do you want it? Genesis chapter 15. Can we go there now? 13. Verse 13. Let me just summarize. It's fine. In Genesis chapter 15, the Lord called Abraham. And the Lord said to him, make me this sacrifice. Bring this together. Bring that together. And you know, all of this will happen. This was before Isaac came. And the Lord said to Abraham, please, let me, I want, I'm about to show you something scary. And the Lord said to Abraham, I mean, Abraham at the time, he said, now know for a surety, no certainty that your children, your descendants, will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. For how many years? Come on, everybody. For how many years? Hmm. Can God lie? Does God say what he does not mean? Talk now. Does God mean what he does not say? What did God say? Four hundred years. Four, four hundred years. Please, Exodus chapter 21. No, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Please quickly go to 40. Verse 40. Exodus chapter 12. Verse 40. Now, please read that. How many years did they end up staying? Hey, 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 hey. How many years did God say? Was God? You know when they give you paper? When they give you paper like this? Ah. The Lord said to Abraham, your children will be a stranger in a land for 400 years. They ended up spending 430, 30, 30 years. Why? You know why? When it was time to go, Moses called out 12 spies and said, go into the land. Go check it out and come and bring us reports. When they came back, their confession was not of personal responsibility. And the Lord said, as long as these people are yet to embrace my, their personal responsibility, me, God, I will suspend my plans. Listen, no matter what it is that God has told you, without your personal responsibility, you are taking If the Lord has said a man will become this at this age, and he does not wake up to his personal responsibility, he will die not seeing it. No matter what it is that you want to become, it is your personal responsibility that awakens, that galvanizes, that makes it happen. Your business will not change until you change. You cannot be a world changer until you embrace change yourself. Your business cannot change until you change yourself. Your family will not change until you change yourself. Things 
Things will keep being the way they are until you change yourself. And how do you change? Responsibility. Responsibility. I move real quick. Responsibility. Okay, I will stop here and then we pray. Lastly, well, it's not the last, but we'll just stop here for today. The power of association. The power of association. The power of association. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. I would have thought that the Bible would say that he that works with the wise shall be wise, and he that works with fools shall also be foolish. That's what I would have thought. But the Bible says, he that works with the wise shall become wise. But the company of fools shall be destroyed. People of God, it's important you understand the power of personal responsibility and the power of your associations. As I bring this message to a close, let me quickly show you something. Please, go to Matthew chapter 1. Let me show you something. He said, you know, those boring parts of Bible, in quote. Matthew chapter 1. Please, let's, let's go through this together. Matthew chapter 1. Now, even me, I'm guilty of this. Most of us, when we see all this, and this begets this, and this begets that, and this begets Most of us just skip, 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 right? Aha. Me too, all of us. But let me show you what the Lord showed me. Please. I want all of us to read together. But because of time, can you just go straight to verse 10? Please go to verse 10. Media. Move it to verse 13, please. 13. Because of time. Go to 15, please. 15. Uh, okay, great. Now, remember, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. He's talking about the genealogy of Jesus. Okay? The genealogy of the Lord, of our Lord. Now, I want all of us to read together. And I want you to pay attention to what we read. Okay? Let's read together. One, two, go. Eliud begot. Eleazar begot. Matan begot. Go. And Jacob begot. And Jacob begot. And Jacob begot. And Jacob begot who? Now, who was begotten in the line of David? Who was the begotten one? Joseph, right? Now, who is Joseph? Who is Joseph? Now, watch this. The Lord has said that now, God has said that my seed will come through the genealogy of David. Right? When the time came for Jesus to come, who was in that line? Joseph. Right? And Joseph happened to be dating who? Why was Mary the mother of Jesus? Because of who? If Joseph was the husband of Martha, Martha would have been the mother of Jesus. <laughs> the Lord told me that. If Joseph eh, was in courtship with 
Elizabeth is even too holy. I'm looking for one punk name. Oh. No, I don't want Biblica. I want something. Siamaka, thank you. If Joseph was the husband of Chiamaka, Chiamaka would have been the mother of Jesus. I hear a lot of people say, ah, eh, because she was a virgin. There were many virgins in the land. The Bible says that. But the person who was in that lineage, and this beget this, and this beget that, and that beget this. Who was the begotten one? Joseph. So, whoever Joseph was dating, was marrying, would have been the seed who brings forth the birth of our Lord. Relationship can break you, they can marry. By the wisdom of friends, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, divided the kingdom of Israel. Tamnon committed rape because of his, of his friends. Tamnon. Listen, after today, you have no business with people who speak negatively. Alawada. You know how people curse for, for joke? You know what I'm talking about? It is curses. And it is all play. Some of you, you are here. Those are your best friends. You have no business there. If a man must be diligent, he must choose his relationships very carefully. The greatest of all. Now, there are th three different layers of relationship. You have relationship to younger ones for the purpose of sowing, for the purpose of mentoring. You have relationship with peers for the purpose of sharing of discussing, of exchanging ideas, of balancing, of checkmating yourselves. Then you also have relationship with the superior for the purpose of direction. And that is the most sacred of relationships. For instance, how do you explain the relationship between Timothy and Paul? You cannot become diligent until you choose your associations it's natural. Remember, back then in secondary school, even in, I mean, all of it, you will be amazed that the people who do well, if you remember, they naturally work with people who do well. Abi, naturally. Every other person will brief them, eh, what is wrong with them? What are they feeling like? What are they thinking? It's your business. It's your business. It's time to wake up. Life will not give you what you deserve. Life will give you what to negotiate. Life will give you what to fight for. I will show you a scripture and then we'll pray. Last scripture for today and we pray. It's also another part of the Bible that is sort of boring. Yeah, you know, sort of boring. But the Lord showed me something there. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis 5. It's a read. It's a long read. You'll see how we can just jump some verses. Genesis 5. Genesis 5. Let's go. No, 5. Okay, yes, remember, another boring read, genealogy. But let me show you what God showed me. Ah. You remember, the Lord has said to Adam and Eve, don't eat this fruit, don't touch it. 
Because the day you try it, you shall surely they did. Right? And after they did, everybody knows what happened now. They were casted off. Listen, we were not told how old Adam was in the garden. We were not told. We were not told how old he was before they brought Eve to him. We were not told. Watch it. Now, we were told when Adam died. Let's check out. How old was Adam when he died? Media, please. Go to verse 3. Verse 3. Verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years. And because the son in his... Next verse. Next verse. And then he lived 800... Next verse. And all the days of Adam were how many years, people? How many years? 930 years. Check it out. Sir, if we plug an iron, the one you use to iron your clothes, right? If we plug it to a socket and you unplug it from the socket, will it get cold immediately? It will take time. Adam was plugged in into God. Then sin brought him out of God. And it took him 930 years for that iron to cool. Hello? Are you following? He was plugged in into God. And then he sinned against God. He was brought out of God. And yet, for 930 years, he couldn't rise up. Why? The power of the light that was imparted into him. Watch this. He poured that light into his son. Let's see what happened. Next verse, please, quick. Yes, go, go. I want to see how, how old he was. Now watch this. Seth lived how many years? Now, do you see what's going on? Do you see what's going on? 930. Transform that life into a son. Instead of living up to 930, he's going down now. Please, the next one. Enosh. How old was he altogether? Please look for the verse. How old? All together. 815. Can you see what's going on? Can you see it? Adam was plugged into God. He lost it by sin. 930 years. He was still hot. It took 930 years for that life to be completely gone. Then poured that life into set. He couldn't live up to that. Why? There is a disconnection from the socket. Right? Then that one to pour it into his son. There's a disconnection from the socket. Now, can you quickly run now? There were some irregularities. Somebody jumped back up. But please go straight back to NM to, to um, um, Methuselah. Quick, quick, quick. Methuselah. Great. Now, go up. One verse. Go up. Go up, not down. Enoch, no. Look for the verse that says Enoch walked with God. I think it's verse 18 or so. Yes, verse 19. 24, yes, let's go there, quick. Watch this. And Enoch walked with God. What does that mean? 
Do you understand that? And Enoch did what? In other words, he was what? He was plugged back in. And because he was plugged back in, after 900 years, he could not die. After 930 years, he could not die. After nine, he could have lived a million years. Why? He was plugged back. God knew that this one will not die. The way is connected. You know what? Enoch, come up. Come up. Not die. No death can take you. Come up. Now, Enoch took that life and poured it into his son by the name Methuselah. Methuselah was not plugged in. Yet, it took Methuselah 969 years for that life to go up. Hey, you cannot joke with the life of God in man. When the Bible talks about sin, it's a reproach. It's a thing that sin takes away from you that you don't know about. Hello? When you are blocked, watch this, watch this. Do you know what Paul said? Check this out. You know what Paul said? Paul said, eh, guys, guys, guys. He was talking to the church. Guys, eh, I'm a little bit confused. Sir, I feel like dying. Eh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to die. I'm going to wait. Um, which one is better, sir? If I die, it's better for me. Because I'm going to be with him. But for you guys, I'm going to stay. You know why? Plugged in. Plugged in. Jesus said, I lay down my life and I can take it up. This commandment I have received from the Father. No man, no sickness, no power can take it away from me. No corona can take it away from me. Why? I am plugged in into the source. A life that is plugged in into the source cannot be disconnected by sickness. Cannot die. People of God, it's time to wake up. Wherever you are, lift your hands to God. Lord, I connect back in. Ah! Lord, I connect back in. Lord, I connect back in. Lord, I connect back in, back in, back in. Thank God for those who are praying. Thank God for those who are praying. No sickness can take my life. I'm connected back in. No disease can take my life. No accident can take my life. I am connected back in. down my life, I take it up. No one, nothing can take it from me. Hey, thank you, mighty father. Thank you, mighty father. Thank you, mighty father. Can we begin to pray for our guest minister? Pray. 
that he himself will not be unplugged from that source. Pray. Pray for the guest minister. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you were blessed by the exposition of the Word of God. Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. For more messages, follow us on our social media platforms at Fosfurgeb. God bless you.